Maybe you could be my intern An intern, I'll show you how I cook up summer in the winter Aaron love the raw dog, when will he learn? Call something on the usher till he had to let it burn You know, I have a revolutionary idea for this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. How about we all just go back to talking about pinball, right? So what I want to do is I want to share with you what's just been in my mind in the pinball world with the pinball companies and the pinball games we're all thinking about, waiting for, and dreaming of. How's that sound on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast? So here's where my mind has really been thinking about lately. I've been thinking about Rick and Morty a lot. And maybe it's because today, when I walked into my building, I received my Fang Club membership tube. Now, I already know what's inside it. I know there's two cozies, and there's a poster, which weirdly, because I've seen it, tells you to join the Fang Club. It's the weirdest thing. Like, you've joined the Fang Club... And you get a poster that tells you that you should join the Fang Club. Now, I think a lot of people out there would have liked to have gotten something that is more uh, worthy of hanging on your wall in your game room. I'm not going to hang this thing up, but I can't complain because let's be honest, people. All of us join the Fang Club to be able to get a Rick and Morty pinball machine. Fan Club was around a lot longer than Rick and Morty sales. Were we members then? But we're members now. Now remember, your payment to the Fan Club auto-subscribes you. So if you are not interested in a Rick and Morty or didn't get one, you might want to go and not automatically resubscribe next year for the Fan Club. Now Chuck and Company, I mean, two cozies and a poster, and they made like 30 something thousand dollars on all those fan club subscriptions, which is great. Great marketing. I think a lot of people feel like they didn't really get to cut the line. It didn't really give them a, a better shot at getting a game. But I think everyone who wanted a Rick and Morty got one for the most part, unless you were living under a rock and didn't realize sales were happening that money. Here's the other thing I just keep thinking about. And we haven't talked about this, but we need to talk about this on Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm in on a Rick and Morty. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to play it. I don't know if it's great. I don't know if it's bad. I don't know if it's fun. I don't know if it's shallow. I don't know anything. Nobody really knows much. I know Scott Denisi's making it, and I know Scott Denisi did a great job with TNA. But let me just tell you what's been sort of itching at the back of my mind with this game a little bit. And, and, and I'm curious what you guys think. And email me at canadapinball at gmail.com. Here, here's a few things that I just are unavoidable as we think about this game's arrival. And it's got to be sometime soon. The number one thing I keep thinking about, and I don't know how this quite happened, and, and this sort of maybe just was a slow build of additional things you could do to your game, and additional accessories you could order from Spooky Pinball. But you can literally, in 2020, fill out an order form for a Spooky Pinball game, and that game can come in at $9,000. A Spooky Pinball machine, you can option out to being 9000 bucks. I mean, let that sink in for a little bit 
a $9,000 spooky machine. Put it next to a $9,000 JJP and a $9,000 Stern machine. Obviously, it's much closer, I think, in what you get from Stern than it is JJP. Oh, and this is always why I tell you guys, JJP is embarrassingly underpriced in this hobby. You might hate me for saying that, but you're all getting your Jersey Jack machines at an absolute steal of a price at where Jack has his machines priced. It's embarrassingly low. Now, obviously, the major upgrade that gets a spooky machine to $9,000 is the unnecessary but ultra-beautiful butter cabinet, which is a $1,000 upgrade. Now, I don't know about you, but I, given the chance to, ch to check all the boxes when I get a pinball machine, I check them all because I am a guy that wants the nicest version of something I'm going to get. Like, what's the point of getting... I, I don't, you know, I don't get premiums. I don't, I don't. I, I, the LEs are usually nicer. They look nicer. And I like the aesthetics of pinball. Obviously does not change gameplay. And, and so you can get a Rick and Morty all the way up to $9,000. Now, is it worth it? And, and we have this debate a lot. And, and obviously the value is in the hands and the eyes of the, of the buyer. For a lot of people out there, if this is a dream theme, then you want maybe the nicest version. And if it's if it's not, you're able to get it for less than $9,000. But there's no such thing as like an LE or a non-LE, right? There's no premium in pros in Chuck's world. Every game's the same, except for the Bloodsucker edition, which comes with the nicer armor. You know, the artwork is the same on, on both editions. The translate's the same. And, and so it, it, it's ostensibly the same game. And so, do I think a spooky pinball machine is worth $9,000? Now, I'm going to be fully honest when I say I don't. And I think they know that too. I think the, the stuff is cosmetic. You're paying for these cosmetic differences. And the butter cabinet, while unnecessary, it is gorgeous. If you've seen a butter cabinet in person, it is gorgeous. It also is extremely fragile. And if you mess up your butter cabinet, well, that's all, folks. Ain't no replacing it with another decal. And the spooky decals are also really nice. So you, I think you, you get a butter cabinet if it's a game that you want to keep for a long time. I think you also get a butter cabinet if it's a game that's going to be in your lineup in a way in which you can see the cabinet. I always laugh when guys like, you know, when guys get like stern LEs and they, they go all in and they rave about the art package and then it's like game number four in a, in a row of like 10 games and you can't even see the side art. I am a side cabinet artwork fan. I, I never like pinball machines when you can't see the cabinet artwork. I just don't. I, I, I think when, once you're cramming games in so tightly, I think you lose a lot of the artistic appeal of a game. All right, so the other question people are having is, if you get the butter edition, will it hold its value or will it not? If you go to resell the game, what will you get back for, for upgrading the machine by $1,000 for a butter cabinet? Now, look, I don't think you're going to get $1 to $1 back, but I also don't think you get nothing back. It's a nicer version. It's a nicer cabinet. It's a nicer polish on the machine. I, I, I would, if I were selling my game 
and I'm not, but if I were, I would definitely charge someone more because I'm going off of what my invoice was. If they wanted their machine to look this nice, this is what they would have had to have spent. And I don't think you lose on a butter cabinet the way you lose on, on mods that you put into the game after the fact because nothing that comes from the factory is a mod and you you ordered it in, in the highest trim level possible and I think that holds more value than if you were to add additional armor from, from like pinball refinery. When, when outside companies mod your game, you never get that back the way you would if those items came as factory options. Sounds a lot like the car world when you're thinking about you know, which options actually hold value. And I would also argue if you mod too much a game, like if you custom powder coat your game, a different color than the factory. I actually think that significantly can decrease the value versus adding to the value because now you've gone and you've made it look completely different than the manufacturer, uh, you know, and their design and their vision for the game. So $9,000 butter cabinet, I'm gonna order the butter cabinet because it's gonna be the only game in my living room. Now, the other thing I keep thinking about with Rick and Morty is when are we gonna see this game? You know, there's a lot of people that are all curious what this game's going to be like. And the more I think about it, do you think that Spooky is stalling a little bit? They don't really need to stall because they've sold every one. But now that they've sold every one, they are 100%, 1,000, 1,000,000%. They're in the driver's seat. They're, there's absolutely no rush for them to show people anything. And we all know this, this is the truth. That as long as they don't show this game, in everyone's head, the game is terrific. I mean, look at Stranger Things right now. We're gonna talk a little bit about that in a second. But once the game is shown, all of a sudden, Brian Eddy and Stranger Things, if I just told you Brian Eddy was making Stranger Things with this amazing projector and it's gonna do all these things, and all we had was like a teaser video, you might still think the game is great and you might have high hopes for it. It's not great, by the way. Spoiler alert, it's good, it's not great. But you know what I'm saying? As long as Spooky delays showing the game, everyone is using their imagination and already, already attributing nothing but positivity to this game. Now, what will happen when they finally show the game? What do you think is gonna happen? Do you think once they show it, a lot of the luster is going to wear off and people are going to see it's just another pinball machine with some neat things and some funny call outs. But other than that, are you expecting to see a lot of radically amazing stuff happening on the play field? Do you think the pop bumper as a sling is going to work or is it going to create chaos for game, you know, for, for pinball players? You know, there's a lot of question marks. It's very cool you know, when you hear Scott talk about the game. But there's no denying the fact that this isn't a game jam-packed with toys. This isn't a game in which you're going to see a lot of wow happening to the ball. But I do think when you've seen Scott's other games and, and you know, other game, singular, he's able to create an environment and an atmosphere with his games that's, that's awesome. That even though it's not as much going on on the play field, you know, TNA didn't have much at all, 
but with the music and the lights and the energy and the vibe he creates with his games, it pulled people in. But here's the other thing that, again, keeps, it's like this little devil on my shoulder poking me with a pitchfork. When you listen to Scott talk about this game, he keeps saying over and over again, it is also a very challenging game. It's a tough game. TNA is very tough for a lot of people. It's not very easy. Not a lot of guys are going through eight reactors. But Rick and Morty is different. It's, it's a, you know, a cartoon by nature is very approachable. And if you watch Rick and Morty, you get a lot of fun in like 22 minutes of, of, of a single episode. And I know people are going to want to see you know, how many of Morty's adventures they can go on. But is it going to be brutally hard? to go on a lot of adventures? Are people going to have really short ball times in this game? Which for many of you out there, short ball times might be frustrating for you. Because you know when you listen to people talk about TNA, they always say this, it's a great game when you have four players because it's brutally fast and hard. And it's the perfect game for, for high skill level players because you don't have to sit there and wait a long time and watch your friends complete a ball. But for those of you out there who aren't that good at pinball, who don't have a lot of pinball friends coming over, and you want a game that you can get into and get deep into the game, will this game satisfy you? I, I think that's got to be something that's on a lot of people's minds. And, and you know, I'm curious it's just how this game's going to play. Like, you know, we see Stranger Things and we pick it apart. We say that it's like another fan layout. We say that it's like cookie cutter. We say that like while the shots are like re- like rewarding and fun to shoot, there's nothing innovative. There's nothing, you know, in terms of like new design. But there's a reason why Stern rinses and repeats that formula. There's a reason why Stern makes games like Elvira with, you know, traditional layouts and wide open play fields and it's easy to hit every shot. There's a reason why Stern does that. Because Stern wants to make the games immediately approachable and immediately fun for people who hop on, not immediately frustrating. And there are a lot of people who have played TNA that I've spoken to who are, are f- more frustrated by the experience than, than they are having fun. Now, Scott's a good player, and Scott also likes very challenging games. And I know that challenging can always be corrected in the code if, if something's too hard. Like, you could do that. Like, look what they did with Ghostbusters. But here's the thing, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious if it's going to be also very challenging to shoot and to, and to progress through the game with the kinds of shots that are going to be required to go on all those Morty adventures. So I'm wondering how that's going to all pan out. I mean, that's what I've been thinking about over the last few weeks because we've been in a little bit of a lull. And at some point, at some point, they just need to pull the curtain off this game and let people see what Rick and Morty is, where they're at with code, and how the game plays. And I've heard from some people that have played it. I have. I I heard from, I won't say their names, but I've heard a few mixed things about the Whitewood that some people jumped on. And a lot of it had to do with the pop bumper and, and how that works in the game. Now, when you listen to Scott, he loves it. I mean, he's also the designer of the game. Of course, he's going to appreciate it because he finds it really satisfying. And maybe he loves that chaos that ensues with that pop bumper. Is it going to be for everybody? Time will tell. 
Now, I hope that time is sooner than later. But again, because we all bought it, there's no rush. All right. Now, speaking of speaking of like, you know, giving our impressions on games and, and talking about a game and, and giving reviews of games, you know, there's been a new development that This Week in Pinball has done that I thought is really smart. And Jeff over there, he's invited people to give their, 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 their reviews or their early impressions of a pinball machine when it's first shown to the world. So this is not a review by people who have played the game. It's more of a combination of some people who have played it other people who might have seen streams of the game, and just your first impressions of the, of the pinball machine. He's calling it first takes. And he did one with Stranger Things Premium. And, and when, I, when I gave my feedback on Stranger Things Premium, wh- where did I land, right? I told you, it looks like a, it's a fun game to shoot. The projector looks neat. I don't think the projector's a problem. But there's just nothing about the game that really wows me. And I don't think the projector adds anything to a, to the physical gameplay experience of the game. And I think they played it really safe. And I said it's a game that's fun to play. It's a game that will pull you into the Stranger Things world because of the music. I, I, I feel like, but I feel like it's a little bit of, of, a, of a mediocre experience overall. And I, and I feel like when you play the game, you don't really know what your purpose is. You don't really know what character you are. It's a little bit of a rudderless Stranger Things experience to me. And I said, it's fun. You're definitely going to want to play it. But there's nothing about Stranger Things that makes me want to own it. I don't put it up there as like an instant hit like Jurassic Park would be, right? Like even like I think Elvira is even more of, a, of an instant hit. Now... I want to read to you the scores that these reviewers gave the game. I'm not going to read all of their comments, which he he also shares the comments. When it comes to game design and layout, people scored the game a 7 out of 10. When it comes to artwork, people scored it a 6 out of 10. When it comes to current rules, people scored it a 5.7 out of 10. When it comes to displays and animations, a 7 out of 10. Toys and gimmicks, a 6.6 out of 10. Theme and theme integration, 6.6 out of 10. The light show, a 6.9 out of 10. The music, a 7.6 out of 10. Callouts, a 5.5 out of 10. For an overall score of 6.5 out of 10. And, And I kind of agree with that. And Let me read the overall feedback that people gave this game. Reviewer number four, anonymous reviewer number four said, overall, it is a familiar layout that has the potential of being something great, but with such a familiar layout, the code, projector, and theme integration is going to be the make or break point of this pinball machine. Reviewer 65 says, I guess I would just simply say it's okay. I'll play it on location, but from what I've seen, it isn't something I would consider purchasing. Given the talent of Brian Eddy and the team he had to work with, I was hoping for something more special. Now, that sounds a lot like something I would say. I am not reviewer number 65, people. Reviewer number 44 said, Brian Eddy has been thrusted back 
into a different era of pinball that requires wowing with less. Effective designers have avoided budget pitfalls with alternative shot layouts and creative use of the space they are afforded. Brian will have to change his design focus if he will add to his incredible legacy using modern games. This is fun, but not next level incredible. You know, that's a really smart point. And, and I love this reviewer's assessment of it all. If you look at what Keith Elwin did with Jurassic Park, Keith Elwin, you know, he really found creative new ways to work with his budget to still put so much uniqueness, creativity, and even like a fun mech. Like I still think the T-Rex is way cooler than the Demogorgon plastic artichoke, you know what, that you shoot way cooler you know eddie put the money into the projector and it just doesn't really feel like it's working there needed to be more in the game and lastly reviewer 125 said overall this looks like a great game that will get dialed in with code updates and tweaks to the game the issues with the demogorgon stuck balls and rejections will have to be addressed somehow if that happens the game is solid all right so i think you know a lot of people are in the middle of the road with this game and that's where I've been. Now, I don't know about you, but let's, let's listener of the show, let's be honest. Doesn't it feel like Stranger Things hype has come and gone and is like dead? Like, I just feel like it's completely dead now. Like nobody, it's just, it's amazing. The window by which we retain excitement in this hobby. And once we see something we know we don't need to buy, our enthusiasm for it evaporates in a matter of weeks, if not days. Like enthusiasm for this game, it, it's like it's gone. It, it, you know, and, and I saw a guy, this is funny, I saw a guy who sort of like encapsulates, you know, what everything that's wrong with like modern pinball buyers. This guy is like, I'm not really feeling the game. I think I might be rolling the dice, but I just had to send a check for $9,000 to my distributor. And we'll see what the game becomes, you know, and then Rare Hero responded to him. And I love that he's like, dude, he's like, you're all that's wrong in this hobby. Like, you're not even excited by this game. And you just cut a check for $9,000 for it. Like, isn't $9,000 like, shouldn't we be cutting checks for nine grand when we know it's something that excites us that we want to have it? Right. And then, oh, now think about Rick and Morty. Now people are like, can tee up a $9,000 game. They don't even know. If they're going to like it, if it's any good, right? Rick and Morty sales, it made hypocrites of all of us. It made hypocrites of myself. We all kind of had to go in because if you didn't, you were locked out. And they played it right. They showed. I mean, Chuck showed everybody you don't even need to sh play a game to make money on a game. That's incredible that you can, you know, and Stern's been doing that for a really long time. I mean, Stern's been selling out of certain LE models before people even uh, saw a single image of the game. So I'm not surprised that, you know, Chuck found it, you know, found the, the secret sauce. You, you pick a theme people love that has a, a, a powerful fan base. You, you know, give enough of that theme in the game and you limit the number of games you're going to make. And that equals sold out, sold out in four hours. All right. Now, look, do I think Stranger Things can have a second life? Isn't it crazy? It's like it's not even the end of January and we're already talking about can Stranger Things recapture some sort of glory? And I think the answer, 
I, I'm going to be honest. I think the answer is no. I think this game goes down as another like Guardians of the Galaxy game where like like nine months from now, you're going to hear people say, oh yeah, remember Jimmy, Stranger Things? Well, they you know the code's finally at 1.0 now and, and it's actually a pretty decent game. And eight, nine months from now, no one gives a crap. And people are selling Stranger Things LEs used for like 7,500 bucks. And premiums are going for like 6,500, 6,200. I mean, we're headed there, people. The prices of these games, if the games don't uh, have great accolades or great reviews, the prices of these games are going to keep going down and down and down. And there's just like even as great as like Jurassic Park is like you, you could still probably go find a Jurassic Park LE new in box. We, we, we are now in a new period in which we know there's just so much coming. Guns and Roses, Toy Story, you know, Deep Root. CGC's next game, Hot Wheels, you know, American Pinball. I mean, they're not stopping. American Pinball is working hard on their next game. And look, I I hope American Pinball finally has like a decent game because they throw a lot in it. Now, if this game comes, if Hot Wheels comes out and it doesn't like, A, have an incredible art package, doesn't have like the most insane play field ramps and loop-de-loops and jumps. I mean, it needs to really, really have some wow stuff going on in Hot Wheels to, to break through. Because as a theme, it's starting out again. There, once again, American Pinball blows me away. I would say that we're Oktoberfest didn't start with two strikes. Oktoberfest started with three strikes. That theme was dead on arrival. Houdini, I would say you're starting with two strikes. Now, is Hot Wheels starting with two strikes? And I'm going to say this. I think it is. As much as people are like Hot Wheels, I just, I, it's, not a, it's not a theme pinball buyers need to have. It's not a theme we hear people talk about. It's not. Like I would have argued even like six months ago, four months ago, if you told me Rick and Morty is a game that's going to sell out in four hours, I might have told you you're crazy. I didn't realize there's that level of enthusiasm for it. But here's the difference between Rick and Morty and Hot Wheels. It's real simple. Adults are into Rick and Morty. Adults watch Rick and Morty. And here's the final part. Rick and Morty is for adults. And guess who buys pinball machines? Adults. Now I know that Hot Wheels has adult collectors out there, but the majority of people who engage with Hot Wheels on a weekly basis are children and children don't buy pinball machines okay so will that theme cross over into pinball buying i don't think it's going to as well as they think but if they launch a game with insane magic in it and crazy it needs to be crazy it needs to be crazy i mean i expect you know you need things jumping you need things loop to looping you need speed you need a game that's just like just so freaking fun to flip and then you need artwork that is great and you need animations that don't look like clip art from Windows 96, okay? We need we need all that stuff in there, all right? But this is also remember Hot Wheels is not the final game that American Pinball is working on. They're working on other games as well. So it's a, it's a great time. I, I always say this like it's a great time to sit back and like see what these people do. I mean, in mid-March, we're going to see what Deep Root is all about. 
And I hope they show us more than just Raza. You know, can Raza recapture some hype? I still think this. I'm going to tell you this. I still think I still think Raza is Robert's sandbag game. I do. I, I think he knows what's coming. I think they're working on stuff that blows Raza away. I think Raza was made to just make all of the Zidware customers whole again, get that damn negative story off of their plate, and start afresh with other games. Because remember, all those other designers are working on things, J-pop included, and I think Raza is just like, you know, the end of an old chapter. I don't think Raza is the beginning, the true beginning of the chapter that Deep Root wants to create. I think it's going to be, you know, when you, here's the thing too, go look again, because I think people forget this. Go look again at Rick and Morty and say, you can option Rick and Morty to eight, $9,000. Now go look at everything that's in Raza. And, and it's, it's kind of embarrassing on some level, the amount more that is in Raza. And yet the excitement for Rick and Morty is a thousand times greater. And I think it goes to show something. Theme is everything. It just, it's just theme is everything. Raza doesn't do anything for people. Now, if Raza with all that stuff in it was themed as Rick and Morty and all those toys were Rick and Morty themed toys with portals and garages and houses and spaceships and all, you know, all the molds that are going to be in the game. Yeah. Then you get the excitement level. There's just something about how do you get excited for retro atomic zombie adventure land? How, how is it going to pull you in? Uh, is it going to be similar to dialed in like dialed in's jam packed dialed in. It's got one of the most amazing animations in any game ever dialed in. You could argue is the best bang for the buck in pinball history with everything you get. And yet dialed in does absolutely nothing for most pinball players. It, it's a sterile experience it just doesn't have personality it leaves you just like wanting it to be more than it actually is and and that's the problem is rick and morty when you're playing as morty and rick is cursing you out it's gonna i think it's gonna win people over even if it doesn't have as much physical stuff in the game and and personality it's like it's like women and and your partner in life right Personality goes a really long way. You want to end up with someone who's got an incredible personality. It means more than how they look. Because personality is something that is magnetic, that pulls you in. Looks come and go, right? But personality, you know, lasts a lifetime. And I, and I think that's that's somewhat true of pinball. You know, look how beautiful Magic Girl was. But the game, had, it didn't work. So you couldn't own it. You couldn't keep it, even if it was sexy, right? All right, what else is going on? Where are we at, people? Where are we at? Oh, we're not going to talk about the other stuff going on that everyone's like, oh, the, 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 you know, pinball is not the platform to start talking about social issues and all these other issues. It's it's we should have those conversations in the right way and in the right um, environments. But man, we're here to talk about pinball. You know, life is short. Life is stressful. Life is filled with anxiety. You don't want to listen to a pinball podcast and be like, oh, crap, you know, and and I apologize if some of the shows go in that direction, but we're back. We're back in the saddle. We're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep giving you the pinball news. So uh, we didn't talk about Christopher Franchi's 
uh, Jaws Translate. Now, I, I feel like we're at the point now where Christopher Franchi could whip up a pinball translate in a matter of hours, maybe a day or two, and, and set everyone's expectations on fire. Because, you know, once you see it in pinball form, it somehow starts to feel real. Right? It's like when Jack Danger mocks up those cabinets and shows people, hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And at first you're like, oh my God, like Pokemon looks awesome. Oh my God, Masters of the Universe looks incredible. Oh my God, like, you know, these these things are, they excite us because it's like we're, it's like we're, we're so close. We're, we're right there. And imagine there could be a world under glass inside that cabinet of a theme that we really love. And it's exciting. Now, do I think there's going to be a Jaws pinball? Absolutely not. Do I think this does anything other than sell artwork at shows for my friend, Mr. Franchi? No. And I think it's cool. It's cool to hang some of this stuff on the wall. I think, you know, the Superman stuff was really neat. The Wonder Woman. I mean, but they're not real. They're, they, these are uh, things that might have been potential games. Because people forget that, you know, Chris Franchi, you know, he works for Joe Kamikow. And Joe Kamikow is a very, very smart man, a very successful man, a man with a lot of connections in the entertainment industry. And I feel like if there's anyone who can ink a deal for a property, it's Kamikow. And that's why the rumors of Harry Potter are, are through Joe Kamikow acquiring that to make the pinball game. You know, he's calling up from Zynga and he's got clout. And they've made a lot of people a lot of money. And, you know, they, they, have more, they make more money than Stern. I mean, they're, they're a publicly traded company. So I, I, I just think that these things are fun to see. Uh, I just wouldn't get your hopes up. The other thing about Jaws is it's a Steven Spielberg movie. So the odds of Spielberg giving them any rights to any of his footage is like slim to none. Now, that being said, I just would like cut off an arm to get a fifth element pinball machine. I would cut off a leg to get G1 Transformers. I would cut off an ear to get He-Man Masters of the Universe. There's so many 80s things I grew up with that are just iconic that could get the pinball treatment. I don't want Elvira. I don't. I, I don't want Munsters. I don't want, um, you know, Led Zeppelin. I don't. I don't want what Gary wants. I, I, don't, I don't want what old man Gary wants to make a pinball machine based on. I don't. I want stuff that's from the 80s and 90s, and, and, I, and I want it now. <laughs> you know, Ninja Turtles is an interesting one because it's like a theme that some people really love. It's a theme that everyone knows about. It's a theme we grew up with. But if I'm going to be honest again, I, I, I see Ninja Turtles a lot like Hot Wheels in which you should you, you graduate out of your love for Ninja Turtles a little bit. At least I think most grown adults do. It's not something that you still play around with or think about or watch the cartoons on, do you? Unless your name is Jared and you work at Stern and you wear Ninja Turtles like boxer shorts and, you know, sleep in a Ninja Turtles bed, you're not thinking about Ninja Turtles as a grown adult. And I'm just wondering, because I hear a lot of people say that Ninja Turtles is also a theme that they just does nothing for them. And then I hear some people say it's a, it's, a, it's a dream theme. I think it, to me, I think Ninja Turtles is going to fall in a little bit of like 
it's not a dream theme, but if it's like incredible, then I'll consider it. And the art package is going to be phenomenal. But I'm saying, I mean, I'm saying this now too. I'm already hearing from some of my people that have seen it. They're starting to backtrack a little bit. I think they're, I think they're BSing me. I think they might have heard that Stranger Things might not be like flying off the shelves as much as Stern might want it to. And Stern can't like the fact that I'm telling people wait for Ninja Turtles. Stern can't like the fact that Ninja Turtles artistically is going to blow this, you know, Stranger Things away. Stern can't like the fact that I'm telling people that, uh, you know, when you put the two next to each other, it's just going to be embarrassing how much cooler stuff is in Ninja Turtles. They're just, they don't want, they don't want to hear that. And yet you heard it here. And, and I think that's going to be the case. And you know, like distributors don't want you to hear that. Bye, bye, bye. What's available now? That's like, that's the, it's the, it's the way it goes nowadays. All right. Let's end this podcast with a little, I think I talked about this rumor, but if Alien Pinball comes back, I'm hearing it doesn't have the screen on the play field. Now, is that, is that, a, is that a, like a big deal for some of you? Is it not? Does that add a lot to the gameplay? I don't know. All I know is this. It's almost February. February? February. How do you say, how do you say it, Brenda? Fe- February? It's a weird word. I can't enunciate today. It's almost February, and where are the games? Where are all these aliens that people told me were en route to America? And I heard they were going to be at TPF. Now I'm hearing they're not going to be at T- TPF. I don't know. I don't, you know, between this and Lebowski, these two games, aren't they starting to lose luster for a lot of people too? You know, I'm seeing Lebowski sales they're really starting to like bottom out around like 14, 15 grand. And I, I think what people are realizing with Lebowski is that the game isn't there. It's a beautiful game. There's a lot in it. The code is the problem. It, it really is. It's such a simple game. If you're good at pinball, that game doesn't really offer you a lot of different ways to play it. And couple that with the fear, if anything breaks in this game, I'm screwed. I mean, you know what I'm not seeing? Where are people opening up spare parts? All right, go go into the Lebowski threads. Have people been able to buy spare rug mechs and bowling alley mechs and re- replacement ramps? I have not seen anybody share their box of spare parts arriving. And I would not want to play that game on a daily basis if I didn't have backups for everything. It, do, do you really think that these early achievers who bought a new game because some people have they paid 21,000 and they got one of the new games do you really think these people are ever going to get their second game that Barry's actually going to make 400 plus of these games at 12.5 by the time I mean where's the production where is it why can't Barry upload a video or go Facebook live this week next week just show us Barry what production looks like on the Big Lebowski. Why haven't we seen anything? Wouldn't that put people's anxiety to bed a little bit? Just seeing, you know, a row of like 20 Big Lebowski cabinets, you know, play fields going into them. I, I still believe they're just piecing together stuff with the, par- the spare parts they had. And, and I, I just... I don't think they're going to have the capital to like order enough parts to finish that run. I really don't. I really don't. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen. Anything else going on? Pirates of the Caribbean code is is getting a wizard mode that no one's going to be able to get to. I always find it funny when these guys are like, when, when are you going to finish the game? I've only, I've only, I've had the game for like eight months and I've only gotten through like 40% of it, but I'm not happy until you put a wizard mode in that I'll never, ever see. Like, I, I never understand that complaining. You know, look at the, look at, look at Wonka. People can't even get past two golden tickets. Show of hands out there, guys. How many of you who own Willy Wonka over the last nine to 10 months, how many of you have received more than two golden tickets and watched like four people's hands go up? They got to make that game easier. That's just stupid. It's like, I keep talking to my friend Derek about it. I'm like, it's just like a gluttony for punishment. It's like, you're, he's like, you're never going to see pure imagination ever. Like you've seen Wonka's office once in nine months. Like stupid. It's like the whole game is a wizard mode to get to all those cool modes in the game. You have to be like so good at pinball that it's just, it just feels like unfulfilling to hop on that machine. Because here's my, here's my thing about Wonka. I, I, besides the assets, I do think those modes are really radical and cool. But I don't want to own that game and never see any of it. And for a lot of people, that's the case. Got to make it easier. I fully expect at some point, Joe Katz is going to sit down and be like, maybe I should just make, maybe I should just make the buyer's more satisfied than they currently are and just let them see more of what's in this game. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Canada's Pinball Podcast in which we will talk about pinball and nothing other than that. None of the stupid drama in the hobby, right? And so you might be wondering why I have not had an interview in a while. My software on my computer is broken I'm getting it fixed. We're going to get more of your favorite guests on the show. Ben Heck, we're going to get him back. Scott Denise said he's going to come on. We're going to get Ted back on. Larry, Dr. Frightener keeps... Larry, Dr. Frightener keeps telling me, like, when I was on your show, you got the most listens ever. He's wrong. He's he's perpetually wrong about a lot of stuff. Uh, We'll see, Larry. I think Larry should do his own show with with Crazy Levy. You know, I I think think there's going to be a point in the next four months, where a lot of people are going to just get the itch to, you know, grab a mic and do a podcast. And I look forward to it, all right? Everybody, have a great day. Have a great weekend. I doubt there's going to be any news in pinball over the weekend. Do me a favor, everybody. Take a big, deep breath. We're all in this hobby together. We all love pinball. Pinball is a toy for enjoyment. It's not a thing you want to play or a community you want to go to to run into the same stresses and anxieties and fighting and bickering and division that we find out in the real world. That kind of sucks in a lot of ways lately, right? It's a toy. Now, like, if we're going to get divided, let's get divided over the projector. Let's get divided over the code in Willy Wonka. Let's get divided over the art package in a game. Let's get divided in whether or not a spooky machine is worth $9,000. And let's 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 keep our debates in that realm and all respect each other, respect the hobby and respect the fact 
that you're listening to the world's number one pinball podcast. Have a great day, everybody. But if they ever flip sides like Anakin, you will sell everything, including the mannequin. They got a new bitch, now you Jennifer Aniston. Hold on, I'll handle it. Don't start panicking, stay calm. Shorty's at the door, cause they need more inspiration for their life, their souls, and their songs. They said, sorry, Mr. West is gone.